It's great to be with you this morning, particularly on Baptism Sunday. Baptism Sundays are one of my favourite Sundays, um, and I remember going back uh, when I was about 13, 14, going to see a friend of mine who was getting baptised at the time, um, and just not being able to wipe a smile off my face. There's just something about somebody making a public declaration that this is what I believe and this is what I want to do, that I think brings joy to God and should bring joy to us, um, and it's great to be here um, on this Sunday. We're talking this year about building in a lot of different contexts and a lot of different Sundays. And we've got the wall behind us, um, obviously. In this, this couple of weeks, we're talking specifically about building builders. And I will get to that a little bit later on. But I want to talk about the physical process of building for a little bit, if that's okay. And it's worth saying that this is something that I have no expertise in. So I'm going to kind of gloss over a lot of details. But essentially, as far as I understand it, there are two types of methods of building. There is physical building, which as we know is kind of bricks, mortar, glass, steel, Lego, connects, Duplo, um, which is more my area of expertise. I use the term expertise a little bit lightly because when it comes to Lego, there are also two types of people. There are the people who have to follow instructions. And I'm very good at following instructions. Um, and I believe that there is a definite way to construct a Lego model. And if the instructions say to do it this way, then you must do it this way. My children have very different ideas, and, uh, and there's, there's more of a creative element to them. And they're the other kind of uh, Lego builder, which is that they can see where they want to get to, and how they get there doesn't really matter. It's more a case of just grabbing some bits and throwing them together and hoping it becomes a spaceship. And whether it looks like a spaceship or not, that is what it is. That's what it turns out to be. And Lego, thank you, Lego Ninjago and Lego Nexo Knights are the latest thing in, uh, in my family. And I've discovered that Lego has evolved quite significantly um, because it now fires things and shoots things that it never did when I was a child, um, which is just one of those things. But that's the first kind of type of building is physical building. The second type of building is metaphorical building. And that's kind of what we think about when we're talking about building things in church a lot of the time is we're talking about building relationships or building emotions or building maturity or we're building um, things within our life. And that's kind of what I want to talk about a little bit this morning. But the main difference between the two, or one of the main differences between the two, is that when it comes to physical building, it's very difficult to build something by accident. If you try and build something by accident, you immediately fail because you've tried, so it's not an accident anymore. But it's very, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's a few builders in the house, but there's very few builders, physical builders, who will get a load of bricks, get a load of mortar, and just start whacking things together and hope it turns into a double-story extension with underfloor heating and a kitchen diner. There's a plan that goes along with it. In metaphorical building, we build things by accident all the time. And whether we intend to or not, things get built in our lives. Sometimes we can make decisions that actually help that process. Sometimes we can make decisions that hinder that process. And that's kind of what I want to talk about a little bit this morning. There's a very famous pa uh, passage of scripture, which is Matthew 7, 27, sorry, 24 to 27, which is, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall, because it had foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. 
Two separate buildings, very different outcomes, but what struck me recently was that both of these guys actually built something. Regardless of what they intended to do, regardless of whether they, I imagine they both intended to build something that lasted, but ultimately they both built something. And we do that all the time, whether it's just building a, um, a relationship, whether we're building a marriage or whether it's building our waistlines, sometimes it happens by accident. Never intended that to happen, but it's just one of the side effects of life. Um, so, I would like to, this morning, talk about three buildings that we build in our lives all the time. So, I've kind of entitled this morning, A Tale of Three Buildings. I know, I'm quite impressed with this graphic, actually, because it's, it's not dissimilar to what I'm going to draw on the board in a minute. So, that's good, and that's purely by accident. But, I want to talk about three buildings, and essentially, if your life was an empty plot of land, these are the three structures that you would build on it. Okay? So we're going to go through each one, and then we're going to kind of round it all together at the end. Is that all right? Good. And building number one that you build and that I build in my life, it's not far off, is what I'm going to call home. Now remember, we're not talking about physical buildings. We're talking about things in your life. So this is your shelter. This is your safe place. This is your sanctuary. This is the place that you go to when things are difficult. So when life gets tough, this is the instinctive place that you fall back to and retreat into. And for all of us, it will look slightly different. So for some of us, this may well be scripture, prayer, relationship with God. For some of us, this may be an Xbox. For some of us, this may be alcohol. For some of us, this may be chocolate. For some of us, this may be kind of panic. Whatever that coping mechanism that you have for, to fall back on that kind of safe place almost, or where it feels safe, even if it isn't really. That's what we're talking about here. And it's interesting because we have this phrase that goes through life, which is home is where the heart is. And that's what I want to kind of talk about at this point, is that this is what you're building. Is your heart. And so here's the question. When life is difficult, when everything falls apart, where do you go? What do you do? Not what would you like to do, because I know what I would like to do, and what I would like to be able to answer in answer to that question. It's not necessarily the same thing to where I actually go when it's difficult and when life is hard. You know, Psalm 32, 6 to 7 says, Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. This is what the Bible says God should be, is our home our safe place, our hiding place. When it is difficult, that's where we should be placing our faith, where we should be retreating to. It's not always the case. And we can intentionally build this into our lives. Or we can kind of allow it to be built accidentally into something that is by default where we actually tend to end up. So that's the first Building. We're going to move through these quite rapidly. So we've got home or heart. Next one, where you spend the majority of your physical life for most of us. 
work. And I use the term work loosely because this is not about a physical building and it's not about employment. This is about your day-to-day -day functioning. So the, the mechanisms that you put in place to get done what you need to do, whether that is going to work and your physical employment job, if you have one, or whether it's just coping with the day-to-day -day stresses of dealing with children, dealing with home, trying to keep everything tidy, keep everything in its place. There are all sorts of different things that keep you functioning. So this is the home of schedules and rotors and to-do lists and everything that just keeps everything ticking over. It's where knowledge lives, where education lives, where skills live. And if I'm honest, this is probably where I spend most of my time praying for. Because I have those moments, do you have those kind of um, moments in your car on the way to work where you go, God, will you help me with today? God, will you help me deal with what I have to face today? And God, I, I'm going to be really gracious and allow you to come with me on my journey today. Those sorts of prayers. Or um, when you wake up in the middle of the night at three in the morning and uh, you have a child who is screaming and you, you pray that, God, give me strength kind of prayer. It's those sorts of prayers that we're talking about in this place here, which is your work. So this is essentially where your mind lives. So we've got heart and home, we've got work and mind. And again, there is a, there's an ideal, there's what God wants us to do with this part of our life, with this structure, with what we actually build, which is Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, which again is quite a well-known verse. You'll find it quite a lot posted on Facebook with some sort of landscape behind it. But it's, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. So in all your ways, in all your functionality, in all the things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis, submit it to him and he will make your path straight. That is the ideal. It's not always what we build, but that's what we want to build in our lives. Correct? Yeah? Good. Okay. So building number three. I haven't done them wide, narrow, wide as they are in the picture, but that's okay. I'm going to call this one church. Now, I'm only really using church because that's the cultural reference that we have. But you could, historically, it could be called kind of temple or sacred place or um, whatever you want to, to term it as. But essentially, this is where your interaction with God is or your relationship with God. That's spiritual dynamic to you. And so we're going to call that where your spirit lives. In terms of metaphorical buildings, you have a home, which is where your heart lives. You've got work, which is where your mind lives. And you've got church, which is where your spirit lives. And this is where you pray. This is where you worship. This is where you seek God. This is where you have those alone times where you spend time thinking about what life is like and what, what God is doing for you and what you want to give back to him. It's all of that relationship side of things. It's where you engage with God in, a, in an intimate place. John 15, 9 to 12 kind of lays out a blueprint for how this works. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. 
This building is about joy. It's about that spiritual interaction with God. And for some of us, that will look different to others. For some of us, we, we struggle to find that place of joy. For some of us, this may be a building that we haven't been in for a long time, outside of this communal context. For some of us, it may be somewhere that we go every day. But how you build this building impacts the rest of your life. And that's great. And I kind of like that analogy of putting things in different places. Um, But essentially, these are things that we can build intentionally or not. But there is a problem with it. And I'll tell you what the problem with that is. Luke 9, 28 to 36, tells a story about three of Jesus' disciples who go up a mountain with Jesus. And it's this. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with them. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what he was saying. It's quite a strange story. You've got a situation where three disciples have gone up on a mountain with Jesus and suddenly they see Jesus with two men, Elijah and Moses. Elijah, for these guys, as Jewish people in that time, represented the prophets, represented the promise of God, the promise of what God was going to do sometime in the future, the promise of the coming Messiah. Moses represented the law, so the structure, how you should live your life, everything that you should do on a day-to-day basis. And Jesus represented the fulfillment, although they didn't fully understand that yet, the fulfillment of God's promise, that place of relationship with him. And it's interesting, sometimes when we're not thinking, the things in our heart come out. So Peter doesn't know what he's saying, but his instinct is to build three shelters. And you always think, what's that about? It's a bit weird. Let's just start a mini construction project here on top of the mountain. Not the easiest place to build, incidentally. But what happens is, when we experience these parts of God, and we try and fit them into our structures, we try and fit them into the things that we're building. So we've got the promises of God. We've got Elijah, who is the promise of everything that God has said that he's going to do. Often, we can take the promises of God and try and fit them into our understanding of who he is. Try and fit them into our perspective. Try and view them through the lens of our hearts, of everything that has been and everything that is. All of those coping mechanisms that we fall back on. We try and fit it into that structure. We can take God's plans for our life in terms of the structure and how we should live our life. This is the right way to live. This is the best way to live. You know, don't kill people. Don't um, envy. Don't steal. All of those things that Moses represented, that law, that structure, and we try and fit it into our kind of workplace and our mind because we think about it in separate entities. And we can end up taking Jesus and fitting him into a part of our life that is all about our spiritual relationship with God. And we think about it in terms of church. Sometimes we're guilty of thinking about it in terms of when we come to this building. 
or when we go to a particular place in our house or when we open a particular book, the Bible, for example. And we can try and fit him into that place. But the story doesn't end there because what happens when we try and fit God into those structures is this. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. When we try and do that, it's very difficult to see the big picture. It's very difficult to see what is coming up. It's very difficult to see ahead. It can feel quite hazy, can feel quite foggy. And a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and didn't tell anyone at that time what they had seen. See, we try and build these things individually. But when we try and do that, God says, you've missed the point. The point is Jesus. That's it. That's all there is. Everything, all-encompassing, Don't try and fit me into the individual boxes that you have in your life. Jesus wants it all. He wants to take it all in that moment. Often we can say things like, Jesus, you know, I'm I'm happy for you to be in this part of my life. But I don't really want you in this one. (laughs) Maybe because I secretly enjoy this one and I knew you would have a problem with it. But we need... To invite Jesus into everything, everything overarching. Ephesians 2, 12 to 22 says this. Remember, at that time you were separate from God or from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is brought together, And rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Jesus brings the whole of this building together. Everything under one roof. He doesn't want to fit in the different categories that we tend to divide our lives into. He wants access to everything. We need to give God access to everything because in that, we can be built together. If we want to build something that is successful, we want to build something that lasts, we want to build something that is strong, something that is going to last the test of time, be tested by the storms that come, we need to allow Jesus to build us. 
not just choose to build the structures that make sense to us, but allow him to build everything, all-encompassing. And this is what the guys getting baptized, or Lauren getting baptized today, um, and anyone else who would like to, um, getting baptized today are saying. That's what they're declaring. That's what they're um, doing publicly. They're essentially saying, God, I want you to take ownership of all of the parts of my life. I may have lived in these individual places before and visited you occasionally, but today I want you to take overall ownership of everything. And I'm not just keeping that to myself. I'm going to say that publicly. I'm going to say that in front of the whole church here, that this is what I want for my life. I want you in control of my life. In those areas where it's great, in those areas where it's painful, in those areas where it's difficult, in those areas where, if we're honest, I've got coping mechanisms and I don't know how to deal with some of the stuff that I've got, I want you to take complete overall control. That's what we need to build a life that is successful, to have Jesus as the cornerstone, the cornerstone being that point in the building that everything else takes its direction from. Because without it, we go off and fall. Allow Jesus to be the cornerstone this morning. God is building builders. People who will build their lives on him. Not in our own kind of individual structures, but in one solid life that he has access to everything, that he dictates everything. And that's his desire for you, for me, for everybody here today. Colossians 2, 6 to 15, talks about it and kind of puts it in the context of baptism as well. It says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ, He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. That's a long passage of scripture, but essentially what is it saying? It's saying that on the cross, Jesus took ownership of everything. He said, I I know all the difficulties. I know the hardships. I know the sin. I know the things you've done wrong. I know all of the stuff that can cause your life to get confused. And I want to take it all and give you life in all its fullness. That is what is on offer today and every day as we choose to build his way.
not our way. Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you that you created us to create. God, that you gave us free reign over our lives. God, that you gave us the free will to build as we see fit. But Father, I also thank you that you gave us a blueprint to work from. That Jesus, you came to give us life in all its fullness. Jesus, you came to put us back into relationship with the Creator. And Jesus, I pray that you will help us to build our lives well, to build on you, Jesus. God, that we will see things differently. God, that we won't see things as as compartmentalized. We won't see things as individual, split up. But God, that we will see them all under one roof, under your covering. And Jesus, I pray for everybody here today. Father, I pray that you bless them. Father, I pray that you fill them with your spirit. Father, I pray that you give them an amazing, amazing life built on you. And I want to give the opportunity, if you haven't accepted Jesus into your life at all to this point, if you're sitting there and you don't really have a relationship with God, I wouldn't say that you have a relationship with God, and maybe it's been a while since you've been in that aspect of your life, but you want to ask Jesus to come in, then I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So if that is you, and you would like to invite Jesus to take ownership over everything, then take this moment, take this opportunity to make the first step, lay the foundation stone, and just put up your hand now.